What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome back, podcast fam. I'm excited to bring you Nicole Zagami today. Nicole is a certified life coach and energy healer who works with women who want less anxiety and more passion in their lives. She spent over 20 years as an IT professional lacking fulfillment and feeling full of stress and anxiety. Through her own struggles with a health anxiety, she discovered coaching and energy healing to be what truly helped her. And now she wants to help others create the lives they love too. Nicole has a unique process that helps women uncover their core values, life purpose, and natural gifts and talents. Her clients use this as a roadmap to create their dream lives and have more peace, passion, purpose, and love. I really enjoyed this conversation with Nicole. We really opened up about a topic that I think many of us find ourselves struggling with, but don't necessarily have open conversations about. I wanted to point out before we get into the conversation that this is a widely recognized problem in the medical field. In fact, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America does absolutely have conditions associated with health anxiety acknowledged as somatic symptom disorder, and illness anxiety disorder. They go on to say it includes a preoccupation with the belief that one has or is in danger of developing a serious illness. They give an example of a girl named Samantha. Sam can't fall asleep. As she lies in bed, she can't take her mind off the fear that she has a brain tumor even though her doctors reassure her that everything is fine. What about the headaches she gets for no reason or the periodic dizziness? Surely there must be something terribly wrong that the doctors are missing. She feels so anxious that she gets out of bed to check the internet for more information. She reads that some of the symptoms of brain cancer are similar to what she is experiencing, causing her anxiety to heighten and a growing urge to contact her doctor. This is a story on the website, but I think a lot of us can resonate with parts of this. And I'm excited to open up this conversation to a topic that is so needed to be talked about more openly. So here is my conversation with Nicole. All right. I'm so, so excited to have Nicole with me today. And it's Nicole Zagami. Zagami. I almost said it wrong again. (laughs) That's okay. I even wrote it out phonetically (laughs) on my phone. Okay. I'm so particular (laughs) about names. My maiden name was Sonsenbacher. So it's like names are a big deal to me. So I always want to make sure I get it right. Well, I'm really excited to have Nicole on. I actually reached out to her. She was super gracious to be on. I think we are going to have a really great conversation about a topic that isn't really discussed a whole lot, but I think that it's um, affecting more people than we even know, only because we don't have enough conversations about it. So we we wouldn't know really how how far spread um, sort of this this you know can, it really it truly is kind of a condition, but it's really just a, a you know health anxiety. We used to call it hypochondria. Um, I think it's still kind of using the lay language as that, but we're going to dive into that in a second. But I just first wanted to welcome you on, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really grateful. 
Of course. I'm really grateful to have you here and for you to take the time to share with our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. As we start each episode, I ask, what does true wellness mean to you? Yes. And and I had to think about that a little bit, you know, what does it mean to me? And I think true wellness to me means being fully connected to your whole self without any of the limitations that this physical world puts on us to be at peace with who you are, to love yourself completely and know that we're all eternal beings with the potential to heal ourselves and that no matter what happens here on earth, we'll be okay. Mm, There's so much goodness to that. I actually really hope the listeners like rewind, you know, when you listen on the podcast apps, you can kind of like hit rewind for 15 seconds. I feel like that needs to be uh, a, something that you rewind and listen to again and again and again. So thank you. That was really, thank be- you. really beautiful. Yeah. So, all right, let's dive into who Nicole is. So a little bit about your background, kind of what led you to the work that you do today. I know you do a lot of life coaching. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about how we're both sort of diving deep into a spiritual journey. So kind of take us through your background and how you got to the place you are today. Yeah. So, um, I have actually been in the IT field for, since the start of my career over 20 years ago, I, um, I started in IT just because it was like the most lucrative way to, to make a living, to support, you know, my, my young son at the time. And so I've been doing that and I, uh, became a project manager about, uh, 10 or 12 years ago, but I was feeling unfulfilled, you know, maybe about three years ago, I was really searching for, okay, what's next for me, you know, and not having that answer because I was doing this type of work for my whole career. So I didn't know who else I could be without that. And so I just put that out in the universe, you know, like, what can I do? Like, what can I do where I feel fulfilled and feel happy And I didn't get the answer for a really long time. I just didn't know. So I continued to, you know, get project management jobs. And then this health anxiety got really bad, right? I was probably at my worst. And it's funny to say now, because I wouldn't have said it before, but it was probably my greatest gift because that's what helped put me into this work of coaching and also energy healing, which I had no idea about three years ago. And it's because of the anxiety that I started on this path to become a life coach and energy healer. Mm. So many parallels here, and I can see in my own life, but I, I really think it's important to note that many people are likely feeling this way, right? Like you were in the IT field, you, it sounds like what I say, which it, it checked all the boxes, right? You were looking for a lucrative way to support your family. I feel like that was played part of a role in, you know, why I chose pharmacy it lends itself to, um, typically it's shifting, but uh, just typically some financial stability and ability to have flexibility in case you end up having a family. So, you know, I, I totally can see myself checking the boxes kind of like you did a little bit and then sort of getting to this point of, okay, what are, you know, is this, am I happy if this is what I can right. do for the rest of my life? And if I'm not, then what's my next step? So exactly. let's, let's dive into the health anxiety piece. Um, you know, how did that show up for you? When did it start? Let's just kind of start diving into that. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for this podcast because I, um, I don't think I've ever really looked at when it started until thinking about this call today. 
But looking back, um, I definitely didn't have it my whole life. Um, but I had my youngest son uh, 12 years ago. And I think it started shortly after that, um, because with my other sons, my older sons, this wasn't really an issue. Um, but I know when I had my youngest son, I came home from the hospital with him and I got a letter in the mail that there was something abnormal with his blood work. And I went into like a full blown panic. And like I immediately was that it was in the evening and I immediately was like calling every number I could call and I, I had to talk to somebody that day, right? It was like, I couldn't wait. I needed an answer. I needed someone else to tell me that it was okay. And since then, it's definitely gotten gradually worse. And then, like I said, about three years ago, it was like at its worst. Um, you know, he, uh, the same son, my youngest son, he ended up having a febrile seizure when he was two that was really scary for me. And then when he was about six or seven, he, um, he got the flu and took him to, you know, the hospital. He was fine. But um, I was one of the parents who was like, always going to the urgent care, always going to the hospital. Like if something is wrong, I need to fix it immediately. Right. Mm. <laughs> so, um, and it's funny, like when we really listen to our brain and, and the thoughts it's giving us, I got a new job at that time. And it was a, an amazing promotion. It was like a lot more money. And I heard very vividly my thought that said, okay, this happened, this great thing happened. So now something bad is gonna happen, mm -hmm. right? It was just this thought. And so then I was like on guard. So my very last day of that job, um, I came home from work. It was about six in the evening and my son was asleep. I was like, what? why is he sleeping at six o'clock? You know, most parents would say, that's amazing. He's sleeping. I can <laughs> take some time for myself. But again, I went into a full blown panic. And back then, Dr. Google was my best friend. <laughs> and of course, I typed in all the symptoms for everything I I experienced always, whether it was for myself or my kids. And, you know, it always just gives you, it, it gives you a wide range of possibilities, but for people like myself with this health anxiety, you just zero in on the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always did. And for me, cancer was the scariest thing, right? It was my scariest outcome. So that's where my brain went all the time. So it's like, he's sleeping, he's tired. It must be leukemia, right? Like, not a cold, not he's recovering right. from the flu, it's leukemia, panic, right? And I got myself in such a state that night. And, but that's when I realized like, it's all in my head because my husband was totally fine. My son woke up, he was totally fine. But in my head, it was like alarms blaring, like something is wrong. And of course I took him to the doctor the next day and he was fine, but it's like, People who don't experience a health anxiety or who have never experienced it, I think it may be hard for them to relate because when I would try to explain this to my husband or family members, they would kind of laugh it off, right? Like, oh, haha, ha, you're afraid of something and it's not happening, right? But to the person experiencing it, it's like dread. It's like full-blown, scariest thing possible, dread. 
And it's like something I would never wish on anyone because like I spent plenty of nights in my bed convinced I was dying, but I didn't want to go to the hospital because I didn't want them to confirm it. Other occasions I did drive myself to the hospital because I was convinced I was dying. And of course my blood pressure was sky high because I was in a panic, right? And then that morphed into white coat syndrome, which is, you know, when you go to the doctor and you have an elevated blood pressure and it's just because you're seeing the doctor because the beginning of the appointment, it would be high. And then after they told me I was okay, it was normal. So it's just, um, it's been a really scary part of my life. But like I said, it, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be on the path that I'm in now. Hmm. I really appreciate you sharing all of that. And it, it, um, I think, you know, as moms, this is, this is interesting for us to dive in because as you mentioned at the beginning of sharing all of that with us, that you, you you had to sit and start thinking, right? Because we kind of know what's happening now and maybe a little bit in the past, but when we really start diving into, oh yeah. And then that happened and then that happened and really diving into when did all this start? And I think as moms, I'm sure moms listening, even who don't necessarily feel like they have health anxiety can completely understand where you're coming from. I know I can, um, you know, when my son was young and he was diagnosed with food allergies, I mean, it was like, this is the end of the world. How are we ever, you know, we're going to be that family, you know, like that's, we can never eat anywhere or do. And it's just like spiraled me completely out of control. And so I can, I see, you know, I, I feel all of what you're saying, you know, that you've got a letter and I, this is, this will dive into the medical system in a little bit, but you know, you receive a letter that's something wrong with blood work and it's, you know, for your child, which, you know, it's bad enough if it's for you, but if it's for somebody who, you know, is your dependent and you know, that you're is um, in your, is your responsibility and you love them. And you're like, what do you mean? Something's wrong. Like you can't right. send me that. And then what are, I need all of the information yes. right yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll talk a little bit about the medical system and how letters are not super fantastic, but um you know, I think, I think a lot of us as moms and even as dads, you know, people, you know, sometimes dads are are more of the primary caregiver than the moms. And so I don't, I don't mean to exclude them, but I think, Mm -hmm. you know, as primary caregivers, it's uh, yeah, I think we can all experience and relate to this in some way. And then, you know, so then it sounds like, although it started with your son, it started to kind of spiral to where you started taking it on and um, looking at your, your own health and symptoms that may have arisen that maybe weren't alarming, but you, of course, those of us who have some of these concerns go to the worst case scenario, as you mentioned. And so it kind of spiraled, but then this is the blessing that you say kind of led you down the spiritual path, which I think, um, you know, is, is in the end, as we can look back on it, it's, it's amazing that, you know, the, yeah. what look like the hardest and most difficult obstacles are often what was needed for us to make a shift. So, um, talk to us a little bit about, so you've got, I mean, you've, you know, your son's, you said 12, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, over a decade of experiencing this, um, at any point did a healthcare professional diagnose you with health anxiety or what, what kind of conversations did you, or did you not have with medical teams about, about this situation? Mm, Good question. So mm, when things got really bad for me, um, my family 
you know, my grandmother and, and some family up north, they were all encouraging me to go talk to a doctor to get on medication. Um, I did go see therapists and they did suggest medication, but just for me, and I know it definitely will, you know, help some people. For me, it just wasn't an option. Like I wanted to explore every natural option I could just because of, you know, some things in my past with my family and, you know, addiction and, you know, how that affected me. But also because having a health anxiety, I'm super cautious about what I put into my body, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like twofold. Um, but I did everything I could like to try to take care of it myself. I learned transcendental meditation. I went to Buddhist meditation. I went to my, like my Christian church all the time. I was just open for everything. Um, and as far as doctors, so they did diagnose me with white coat syndrome just because of my whole um, issue with, you know, the blood pressure. But I had an experience with my aunt where um, she ended up getting brain cancer. But prior to that, like I said, I was always so scared of cancer. And anytime I had a headache, I would be afraid it was a tumor, right? Mm -hmm. And I would call her and she would talk me down off the ledge, so to speak. And um, she ended up getting sick. She had an ear, uh, earache and she kept going to the doctor and they diagnosed her with an ear infection. And so they gave her antibiotics and that wasn't working. They gave her more, that wasn't working. She finally went to the emergency room and they found out she had lung cancer that spread to her brain, mm -hmm. which then she had brain cancer and she died in six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I think this uh, sort of made my health anxiety a little bit worse because now it turned into, well, I can't really trust what the doctors say, right? Like, how can they tell her it's an ear infection? Meanwhile, it's this. Mm -hmm. So then I also struggled like with, what doctors were saying and who can I trust? And, you know, where am I getting my guidance? Because before it was when the doctor said everything was fine, I felt better. But now what if I can't trust what the doctors are saying? And I think that's really what led me down the spiritual path, as you mentioned. Um, one, uh, I think this may have been my, my uh, lowest point, but, uh, I went for my annual woman's appointment and, you know, they found something abnormal. This again was three years ago. They found something abnormal. And so I had to have a biopsy. And so someone like me, who's terrified of cancer, having to wait for biopsy results is like torture. Mm -hmm. Even though she said, even if it was cancer, the treatment, you know, was there was a high chance of, you know, success with treatment and it would be surgery and everything would be fine. She wasn't worried. But for me, it was like living in panic, crying, driving to work every single morning. It was terrible. And so I got the results one day when I was um, actually leading a project meeting. I had about 15 people on my project team in the conference room and my assistant at the time knew I was waiting for the results. So she, um, I kind of gave her a signal when I saw the call coming in and I stepped out and got the call and luckily everything was fine. But when I came back into the room, 
I just broke down crying in front of everyone. And of course they were like, whoa, are you okay? And I said, no, it was good news. But I was like hysterical. And at that time I knew I was like, okay, like I need help. Like this isn't, I don't want to say this isn't normal, but I, I knew that I was feeling maybe a little bit more extreme than I wanted to feel. And I didn't want to feel this out of control. And so that's the turning point for me. I went to my pastor at church and crying and shaking and I, I need help, I told him. And like my beliefs aren't just, you know, in Christianity, I'm like open to all religions and all beliefs. And I really believe in God and the universe and everything else. But I think that's when the universe like heard me say, I need help. Like I was just calling out for help. And I truly believe that whatever we ask for, we're given. And shortly after that, I was watching Netflix and I saw a documentary called Heal. And it changed my life. It was when I first was introduced to energy work and um, like Reiki healing and just how much our thoughts affect our life and our body, you know, and, and how like spontaneous healing and how people can heal themselves. And it just blew my mind. And so the same day I searched, you know, I went to Google and I searched Reiki healer in Orlando and I went and I met a wonderful woman who I still go see now. And all of the healing I received from her has really transformed me. But during the same week, after I asked for help, I had a follow-up with my doctor. And of course I was nervous in the waiting room, even though I just got good results. Uh, there was an Oprah magazine. And so I started flipping through the magazine and there was an article written by her life coach. Now, prior to this, I had never really knew what a life coach did. You know, of course I heard about Tony Robbins, but I didn't know exactly what life coaching was about. And this particular article, like I said, I really believe everything happens for a reason. Her life coach was coaching someone with anxiety. And she was asking her all of these questions that I had never heard asked before. And it like opened my mind, like, whoa, I can think a different way. And I went home that same day and I Googled life coaching and I signed up with a school and I signed up with a coach. And like, since then, like, everything has changed. Mm. So many really important parts to this to dive into. Um, I just, you know, I want to just briefly review some of the things you mentioned, which is that you were diagnosed with white coat syndrome. And although, you know, that's very acknowledged and recognized by the medical profession, the kind of, you know, assumption there is that, okay, well, you know, your blood pressure is really only an issue when you go to the doctor and, you know, it's not something that I, I don't think is taken on some significant enough level that you would ever be recommended by a traditional or conventional physician to go seek out meditation or, you know, like there, there's not a whole lot to do with that other than just point it out and, you know, wait a few, wait a little bit longer to retake your blood pressure once you're in the office. Um, and so there's not a whole lot, I think on the whole discussion or conversation around this ongoing anxiety around what could be, you know, the, the results that we did get the biopsy, these things are so anxiety creating mm -hmm. that 
it's not, I don't think recognized enough by the medical system. And I think this is an important thing to listen. We do have a lot of healthcare professionals listening. And so I always want to kind of just touch on, you know, in what ways can the medical profession improve upon that? You know, I think for them to just realize that unless they've been on the other side of this and I put myself in the same place because I was not on the other side of this until my dad got sick. I mean, there were, you know, bumps and bruises, but nothing super significant until my dad was diagnosed with lymphoma. And I, you know, until you're in that position, there's, you don't really quite understand what's happening in the hearts and minds of those who are being told their labs are off or the scan doesn't look good or, you know, uh, you know, and, and to get that in a letter form. So um, are there any other ways in which the medical system kind of um, fails people that you can identify? We talked about, you know, you receiving a letter. I'm, you know, I totally understand that they use different forms of communication because not everybody answers the phone or, you know, not everybody has the online portal systems. And so it's not that I'm against letters, but I just... I think if we were just to pay attention to the fact that if we were to receive a letter, you know, going through our mail, okay, here's a bill, here's a, okay, wait, here's a letter that I might be dying. I mean, yeah. you know, like <laughs> that doesn't seem like the best route of communication. Um, maybe as a follow up to another direct route of communication, just like, hey, you'll get, you'll get a letter, but you already know it now, you know, um, because what right. if I open that letter Friday at 10 p.m., you know, I've got oh, to yeah. Monday and that's awful. So um, what are some of the ways that you think the medical system, you know, maybe unknowingly plays into, or, you know, kind of amplifies this anxiety and what are some of the ways in which maybe you wish they would improve or that you, um, you know, if you were, if you happen to be a healthcare professional that you would not do it that way. Right. Yeah. Um, the letters are, are challenging. Like for people like me, I know it's not for everyone, but for someone with a health anxiety, like myself, an ambiguous letter is so stressful, right? It even happened with my older sons as, you know, after I developed this anxiety, um, I got a call maybe about five o'clock right before their pediatrician's office was closing. And they had just had their annual exam and they did blood work. And the message I received was, something's off with the blood work, you know, call in to make an appointment. And this was a Friday, you know, and I, I got it maybe at 6 p.m. and I couldn't call back in. And I was worried the whole weekend. And finally, on Monday, I called in, you know, asking about it. And I had to make an appointment to come in to see the doctor. And they didn't have one for a few days. And I am I'm not proud to say this, but I couldn't wait. Like I couldn't, I just drove to the doctor's office and I was like, I'm sorry. Like my anxiety is so bad. I really need to see the doctor so he can tell me what's wrong. And it was just some like cholesterol thing, which I didn't need to be so worried about, but just the not knowing mm -hmm. is, is just really hard. But I, I know because of privacy laws, it's, um, that, you know, sometimes they can't disclose everything, but when it's a parent, I do think or hope that they can maybe come up with some other ways to communicate things, especially if it's something that is, you know, small, you know, mm -hmm. but then what if it is something that's bad and like, if they only communicate, yes, everything is good. This is just a small thing, but then there's something that's bad. 
like I know my brain would have been like, oh, they're not telling me, so it must be really bad. Um, I don't have an answer for it or a solution, but definitely, you know, not leaving messages close to close of business <laughs> where the parents mm-hmm. can't get back to you or leaving messages on a Friday unless it's an emergency. But if it's an emergency, there should be a way for them to contact you back. And maybe having like an advocate or, or someone in the office that can be available for these kinds of calls, you know, and maybe the parent can leave a voicemail and say, listen, I just I have a lot of anxiety about this. If you can just call me back and explain some things, I think that would be really helpful. Um, and then the white coat syndrome, it's, it's really tough because I know it probably prevents a lot of people from going to the doctor. I used to, you know, before I did all this work on myself, I would have to do a lot of work just in order to go to the doctor. And a lot of it was because I knew my blood pressure would be high, right? It's like, if only they didn't have to take my blood pressure, (laughs) I wouldn't be so nervous, but I know it's going to be high and that's going to worry me even more. So maybe if they were more open to it and saying, okay, well, take the blood pressure at the end of the appointment, you know, or just some more open communication where it doesn't feel like they're just dismissing it, you know, as, as not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it would be fabulous if the office had an advocate that, you know, maybe they would rotate who's on call, you know, yeah. because the reality <laughs> is, is, you know, there's always going to be the potential for somebody to be notified or not listen to the message or not get the portal you know, uh, notification until closing time. And it's brutal. It, I mean, and I know it's, it's absolutely brutal waiting for that answer and not having any way of getting it. So I, I do think that there should be some more attention paid to what's happening on the other end of, you know, just, it's, it's just so anxiety producing. And, um, I think that it would be fabulous idea for somebody who's known to have white coat syndrome, if they knew, that the, they were, they would have time once they got in there to kind of like get through the initial spike in cortisol release and stress and okay, we're not going to take the the blood pressure to the end. Let's just chill. Maybe they play some calming music in the lobbies. I'm all, you know, I, I feel like the entire environment could be more calming, you know, like the, the magazines in the waiting room, you know, I mean, there aren't really any more because of COVID, but but I feel like, you know, even if there was just some calming music yes. that was like tied to, you know, some, some, some calming colors or calming scene on a TV, like this, these small things could make such a huge difference, you know, and oh, yeah. um, then the waiting in the exam room for the physician, there's going to be a wait. We understand that, but just the, the sterility and coldness of the room doesn't, make you feel warm and fuzzy. Right. So, I mean, just a little bit of attention, you know, I'm always like a little bit of attention could go such a long way. Um, Yeah. That calming music would be amazing. And even if they were, you know, educated on breath work, right. And how breath work can help calm your nervous system, you know, so you could, they could practice some deep breaths with you or even the nurses or the assistants can do that before. Um, Because, you know, I had to learn all of that on my own. And my only other, you know, issue with, and I, I'm sure not all doctors are like this, but I feel like a lot of them just either aren't educated on it or maybe don't believe in it, but 
not, no doctor ever talked to me about like natural remedies, right? Like, like diet changes or energy work or, you know, meditation or anything like that. Those are all things I had to explore and find on my own. And I think like there's so much potential in helping people in, in those ways. And, and I'm sure there are doctors who specialize that, you know, in that like more of the natural doctors, but, but even if they could say something, you know, or suggest mm-hmm. something other than just medication all the time. Mm, That's, um, that's a really important topic. I've touched on it in several ways over, you know, several episodes and I have many guests on that we, we dive into that and, but it really could be discussed for hours on end about why the culture is like that, why the culture of medicine is shut off. It's, it's shifting a little bit, but it still is generally shut off to alternative treatment modalities. And it starts really at the training point, you know, as mm-hmm. we're trained and I didn't go to medical school, I went to pharmacy school, but even in pharmacy school, I mentioned this a few times on the podcast before that, you know, we're, we're, we role play what to tell people who come in and want to supplement. We role play, we are taught to role play how to tell them this supplement's not FDA approved. Nobody, there's no oversight of it. I mean, we are like, it's, I mean, I, I hesitate to call it brainwashing, but the reality is we don't know any different. We are being what's being modeled for us and taught to us is supplements are bad. Medications are good. Here's how you talk to somebody who comes up to want, I mean, this is legitimately what's happening now. It may not be, I mean, of course that's been several years ago when I went to farming almost 20 years ago. So things may be a little bit different now, but even in, even in medical school, I mean, it's, it's shifting, but it's a very slow shift. I'm hopeful that that will take a little bit more speed and, and move a little bit faster, but it's, you know, for a physician to recommend, you know, Reiki or any other, you know, even acu- even though acupuncture is becoming more mm-hmm. well accepted, even colleagues, they, they run the risk of colleagues, you know, making fun of them. Or if they document that in a note, it's like, what are you doing? You know, why are you recommending acupuncture? Why are you recommending Reiki? Mm. And so they know that there will be kickback because it is not generally accepted as it's, it's, they think of it as quackery. I mean, that's, again, this is generalization. There are, this is, this is not a hundred percent, believe me, there are a lot of, you know, physicians who and providers who are very open to that go to acupuncture themselves, you know, do energy healing themselves, and they understand the value of that. But um, it's a slow; it's been a really slow shift in medical culture. And um, you do you are you are left with finding the routes yourself. And although it's fantastic that you have and many others have, you know, there are also people who maybe never find it because they don't have the resources. They aren't told they don't, I mean, wouldn't even know to look it up. They trust their physician. And if it hasn't mm-hmm. been told, recommended to them, then it must not be good. So right. why would I look any further? So yeah, there's so, so many layers, so many layers to this. It's, um, it's almost impossible to cover it all, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's always important to bring it up because I do want people to realize that what's being recommended or suggested is not the end, you know, it's, right, if that has right. not worked for you. It's not the end. I do want to point out for those who didn't catch it, that you recommended the heel documentary. It's fantastic. Yes. I will make sure that I link it in the show notes because I also recommended it to like pretty much everybody I know when I watched it. Um, I don't even was, remember. Yeah. And it, it totally was. changed my mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are physicians on there and it just like opened up like this whole new world to me of thinking and and what the body is capable of and the placebo effect and everything it touches on is so good. 
Yes. Agreed completely. So anybody listening who has not, I'm a complete nerd. Like when my family <laughs> goes to sit down, like what movie are you going to watch? I'm like, who wants to watch a medical documentary? <laughs> They're like, not us. So, um, I, that I will, you know, give that disclaimer that I am a little bit of a, a, a nerd on those, but it, it is very easy to understand. It's very widely applicable. It's um, I think it's perfect for anybody who is even remotely, if you're listening to this episode, I think it's applicable to you because you were drawn to this for a reason. Yes. I think you would find it um, fantastic. So, all right. Well, I so appreciate you sharing all of um, your journey because I think a lot of people really can relate to the fact that this is happening. This is happening in the minds and hearts of so many of us. And it's just not a conversation we often have. I mean, I think not enough, at least, for there to be a discussion around that it occurs, but also what can we do about it? What can we start, you know, certainly we want changes in the medical system and we're hopeful that those will happen. But if they don't, we ultimately can control our reaction and response to that. So so tell us a little bit about some of the ways that, um, you know, you've kind of found in your spiritual journey and your energy healing that you have sort of manage this and kind of, you know, gotten over the the hump of the worst, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. So definitely, you know, just exploring energy healing. I, like I said, I tried a lot of things before this and some things may work for me and not work for others. My my biggest message to all of your listeners is to just keep trying. You're definitely going to find something that works for you. But what worked for me was the energy healing. Every time I went in and got like a Reiki healing or aura healing or something else that she offered, I always felt so much peace for the next few days, right? Because we're all energy and just healing our energy for me really made a difference. Um, Meditation. So like I said, I did transcendental meditation, Buddhist meditation, um, but then after watching Heal, I really got into Dr. Joe Dispenza. And some of his meditations, I do really well with guided meditations. And so some of his meditations like completely took me out of feeling anxiety. You know, there are some nights that my anxiety was just high and I would do one of his meditations and come out of it feeling so much better and feeling back to myself. And I just went to his week-long retreat where we meditated for seven days and it was so beautiful and amazing and so meditation for me is, is a big key in, in alleviating any of those anxiety symptoms. Um, also breath work. There's a lot of simple breath work techniques that you can do. Like if you're anxious or if you're going to a doctor's appointment, like I am, there's a bunch of YouTube videos on it. You can search and it's just easy things to help bring yourself back into awareness and to calm you down. And lastly, um, what I learned through coaching, right? So the best thing I learned through coaching is that how we feel is always determined by our thoughts. So if I'm thinking, you know, something is wrong, um, there's probably a really bad illness, I'm going to feel that panic and anxiety. But really practicing changing those thoughts And for me, being on the spiritual path to a lot of my new thoughts are, we're all eternal beings. You know, there's really nothing that can happen to me here, Um, like connecting to my heart, you know, so just changing my thought patterns and making new beliefs 
so that I'm not automatically going to the worst case scenario and really being connected, you know, to, to the universe and, and knowing that this isn't it for me is really what brings me peace. Um, and, and even though anxiety still does come up from time to time, at least now I have the tools like to work through it. And, and it's certainly not nearly as bad as it was before. I so appreciate you sharing all of these great insights and parts of your journey. And I uh, know for, you know, certain and without a shadow of a doubt that there will be people who will listen, who will see themselves also in your journey. And it's just always nice to know that you're not alone. And I think that's what this podcast episode will do for so many. Before we um, part ways, I would love to just share with our listeners where they can find you. So if somebody's listening, thinking, I would love some life coaching by Nicole, where would they find you for that? Yeah. So you can go to NicoleZagami.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-Z-A-G-A-M-I.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Nicole Zagami. It's such a unique name. There aren't too many of us. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, under Nicole Zagami Coaching. <laughs> Fantastic. And that also probably saves you from needing to trademark because I think you're yes. pretty you're pretty safe. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and if, and if you're not, then I don't know, that's a, that would be a complete fluke, but I think you're pretty safe. So that's, that's fantastic. Well, Nicole, I really have enjoyed this conversation. I'm so thankful for you taking the time to share this. And, uh, you know, this is what I love about the podcast is just sharing the mic, passing it over and just trusting that whoever needs to hear this will hear it. And so I, yes. I really appreciate that you were on board with me on that. And I love this conversation. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much to Nicole for sharing these amazing human realities of health anxiety and how it was an unexpected gift in her life and how we can start to manage this on our own if we are experiencing this as well. I also hope that members of the medical community listen as well as I think there are some very doable small shifts we can make to help our patients with health-related anxiety. I have all of the links that you will need for this podcast in the show notes, including the HEAL documentary, which I highly recommend everybody listen to. Thank you again for continuing to mind your wellness with me. I'll see you here again next time.